Hey there, health aficionados. Welcome to another riveting episode of Pop Health Week on Healthcare Now Radio. I'm Greg Masters, your co-host and the man behind the curtains, pulling the strings at Health Innovation Media. Joining me in our digital wonderland of a studio is the one and only Fred Goldstein, the co-architect of Pop Health Week and reigning president of Accountable Health, LLC. Pop Health Week is your go-to virtual salon where the who's who of healthcare from payers and providers to patients and policymakers gather to share best practices in population health management and public health innovation. Want to slide into our lineup with a Where's the Beef contribution? Find us at www.popupstudio.productions or tweet us at GregMastersMPH for me, and that's Greg with two Gs, mind you, and Fred at FS Goldstein, respectively. You can also catch Fred at www.accountablehealthllc.com. Today we're stoked to host Sushant Gupta, CEO of MioMind, the world's first on-demand alternative to therapy, offering a new approach to mental health care intended to make therapy more affordable and scalable than ever before. So today we dive into the world of mental health, coaching, and those all-important contributions to the social determinants of health. Fred, the stage is yours. Thanks so much, Greg and Sushant. Welcome to Pop Health Week. Thank you for having me, Fred. It's a pleasure. Really great to get you on and fascinating area. I love when we focus on mental health, things around that. So why don't we start? Give us a little sense of your background and MioMind. Yes, absolutely, Fred. So Fred, I have a background in healthcare and technology. So really trained as a computer scientist, but then moved into healthcare, first into public health and life sciences, ICU, patient monitoring. And very recently was actually in mental health, uh, both on the care delivery as well as insurance business uh, in United Health. And so I've seen a wide range of things, and I think there was this one specific problem in mental health that really caught my attention. I wanted to um, uh, do it really personally, which is the workforce shortage uh, in mental health. And we want to do something about that. So in 2021, we launched MioMind, which was really to address the workforce shortage of licensed clinicians in mental health. And the way we have been addressing this problem is by offering recorded therapy sessions between real patients and therapists, uh, you know, navigating their real problems and getting evidence-based support. Um, it's a very novel uh, approach to providing scalable alternatives to therapy. And we combine that with providing access to board certified coaches along with that. And so can you sort of talk through, I actually downloaded the app and uh-huh. a little bit and did a couple of sessions. Can you sort of walk through what the typical experience is for a user? Absolutely, Fred. So, the user would typically come in, share their access code that they would rather get from their employer or a health plan. Uh, once they've given the access code, then they can create an account uh, that is individual for the user as well as their dependents. So there's a very high level of anonymity and privacy. And after they're creating the account, they then do a short onboarding, things like demographics. Um, we ask them about their presenting symptoms, do a short clinical assessment. And then based on that, we use AI to recommend the right kind of session, uh, recorded session to our members. They would then listen to these sessions, do the CBT exercises and homework that are prescribed by that therapist uh, on the app itself. And then, uh, you know, in the meantime, they can talk to a coach, do a clinical assessment, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things you mentioned, uh, and we'll get into a few of these, 
um, is this fact about, you know, they enter some, I remember I had to ask, answer some questions. Are you right. experiencing this? Do you feel like this? Is this a problem in your life? Those kinds of things where you had those and you check on which ones you might have or want to work on and things like that. And then you also said you do some assessments. Do you keep that data? Is that stored? I mean, from a security perspective, how are you working on that? Yes, we are fully HIPAA uh, and SOC 2 compliant. Um, so we uh, keep the data as much as necessary for uh, providing the right kind of personalization. Um, and if you would have seen the kind of you know data that we collect uh, is uh, a very uh, non-clinical. We really present this data in a very non-clinical way to the users so they, they can really discuss their presenting symptoms in a way how you would describe it to a colleague or uh, a friend. And so that's where we, uh, how we personalize the system for every user. And you mentioned you use AI. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of people love to throw that term around. <laughs> and uh, and I've seen, you know, how some people use it. And yeah, that's really a use of AI and others are maybe sort of a limited or not really a use of AI. So what do you mean by that? And what are you doing with that? Absolutely. So look, I think the the main, um, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the utilization of AI here really is in, recommending the right kind of sessions to every user where we use all the data that you've provided us and then match you with the right kind of sessions. Right now we have over 600 sessions that we can match you to. And uh, that is where we use the AI models uh, to actually um, give you the right kind of content and ensure that you're having the right kind of clinical impact as a result of that. Mm -hmm. And you, you mentioned um, clinical impact Mm -hmm. I know you've got a white paper. Could you talk a little about the that and what you've sort of found from the use of your platform? Because it's really in mental health. I mean, I've even put up a Pop Health Minute on this, and there are hundreds and hundreds of mental yeah. health out, out there, but the number that actually have any studies or basis, in fact, when they built them or use them is pretty small. So talk a little about what you've got there. Fred, well, the problem that you mentioned is so real, and I've actually experienced that problem myself because, uh, you know, few years back, I was on the other side. I was working at United Health, and a lot of companies were trying to partner with us. And I actually just saw this problem, which is that everybody would, you know, come and present their solution. But when it comes to clinical data, which can be relied on, you know, there was really nothing. So from day one, we've been very careful about gathering the right kind of data, doing the right kind of analytics, and then presenting it uh, to uh, our potential clients. So in our case, what we've done is, one is we brought in very strong advisors very early on. So Bruce Wompold, Dr. John Norcross, both of them, uh, you know, Dr. John Norcross is the former uh, president of psychotherapy at APA. Uh, Bruce is one of the most cited authors in psychotherapy ever, and his pioneering work has been in measurement. So from with their guidance, we have collected a lot of evidence uh, from early on. And the way we do that is whenever a patient comes in, we do a baseline of their PHQ2 and GAD2 score. Um, that gives us an assessment of where the patient is. And then we do a weekly prompt to understand how they are doing on these two validated measures. For those who are the uninitiated, PHQ2 and GAD2 are you know, clinically validated measurements of depression and anxiety respectively, and uh, widely used by clinicians. Um, and uh, what we found from an analysis is that 80% of our users uh, improve on their PHQ and GAD scores in two to three weeks of using Neomite. And in that, do you have a sense of how many sessions they did in that two or three weeks or something like that in order to achieve that? Yeah, typically three sessions. So that's the impact that we see in three sessions. 
and you got a validated uh, score, obviously with the PHQ two and the and the GAD score as well, and right. um, a fairly large sample size, I assume. Yes, about two thousand members. Great. And when you think about this, um, I know there are apps out there that cover um, mindfulness, ton of that stuff out mm -hmm. there. Obviously, some mm -hmm. benefits. There have been some good studies on some of those. And then you take that all the way to the area of therapy and an individual mm -hmm. seeing. A therapist, either virtually or face to face, where do you fit within that spectrum? Great question, Fred. So we actually look at ourselves. You know what you just mentioned is more like a care, you know, continuum of care, really, right? Which really starts at, let's say, the the worried well, you know, at a mindfulness or a meditation. Uh, but then there is this huge spread of patients, you know, all the way from mild, moderate to you know, even some of them in the severe category who need uh, therapy and the only way that they get therapy is through talking to therapist. What we are doing is really reducing the burden of care on therapists because they're just not enough therapists. And that's where we fit in. We cater to everybody who is mild, moderate, and even many severe patients who come onto MioMind and use it either as a treatment modality standalone or in conjunction with therapy. Um, so that's where we see ourselves fitting in, and um, we see a lot of impact for these patients. Mm -hmm. And what about the age? Who is this designed for? How young an age do you go to? This is really uh, very, very wide in terms of the age range. Uh, you know, sixteen percent of our users are teenagers. Uh, we also, you know, and some of the oldest users are around seventy. So there's a very wide range of applicability. Um, we the, the highest interest that we see is between 30 to 50 years, um, but then there's a lot of presence of other demographics. Yeah, I noticed in it, you know, you dealt with some topics that I think would resonate with 30 to 50 year olds. Are you able to communicate in your marriage? You know, right, how, right. your stress or anxiety from some of those things. It was interesting when I went through it and and what popped up for me, given that I answered just about nothing in the beginning to see what it decided to give me to do. Um, right. And so... Who's your target market for this? So you take it to plans, you take it to employers, both. Where's that? Yeah, so I'd say three broad categories, uh, talking about health plans, uh, employers, and IDNs. Uh, so we've seen there's a lot of interest in all three uh, domains. Uh, for example, now we're already working with one of the largest health plans in the U.S. Uh, we're also working with some regional plans, uh, many employers, both small and large. Uh, so there is definitely a lot of unmet need uh, that we're helping bridge. And who, or, you know, not specifically by name or stuff, are the therapists you're using? What are their licenses and things like that? Sure, Fred, very important. So we work with therapists who are licensed at least one state. Um, furthermore, we would be interviewed them on their uh, conversational skills and then ensuring that they practice evidence-based therapy. All of our sessions are peer-reviewed and we ensure that you know, it's really CBT, DBT, EFT, everything only that is acceptable and that is known uh, to uh, help patients. Mm -hmm. Are you looking to do additional studies? Or are you doing any now to try to uh, further improve your, your uh, analysis of your outcomes? Yes, we are correctly. Right now, we are doing one study with one of our health plans uh, to understand the impact on their population, more on the clinical side as well as utilization. Got it. And and in terms of your therapists, 
are are you just looking at their licensure? Are you looking at some of their background or experience, or they have to answer stuff more than "Hey, here's my state license"? And do you, also along those lines, I guess you're not really considered therapy, so you're not worried about cross state lines licenses. Yes, we are not worried about that uh, because there is really no therapist patient relationship here between a listener and uh, the therapist there. But we actually have a very stringent selection policy for therapists at Mewind. Uh, less than ten mm percent -hmm. of therapists who apply to us actually uh, are selected uh, to record sessions with us. Mm -hmm. And so, and then do you ask them to record on areas that they're more comfortable and specifically expert in, or do you have sort of a general, we need some topics on this, hey, can you do that? Great question, Fred. So we actually, uh, you know, I would say um, onboard therapists based on their expertise. So specific therapists, you know, for people of color, you know, we have specific therapists for LGBTQ problems, uh, some religious issues, you know, I think we have a very specific therapist based on their expertise. And that is, again, a very strong value proposition about me mind that you can listen to some of the best therapists in your area, which are otherwise unacceptable. Mm -hmm. And so, I, and but if you choose a session... Mm -hmm. then that's just one individual therapist delivering that session. You don't have, well, I can choose Ann or Fred or Greg or whatever to do the session. As a user? As yeah, a as user. a user. So for the same topic, you will get multiple therapists to choose from, uh, and you can choose uh, oh, okay. whichever therapist you like the most. Uh, that's why we try to create a lot of variety because people have their own preferences, you know, the simple things like I might like a fast talking therapist, whereas my friend might like a slow talking therapist. So it, I think there are tons of uh, preferences that we'd like to cater to. And if you're just tuning in, you're in for a treat. We're chatting with Sushant Gupta, CEO of Neomind, the world's first on-demand alternative to therapy with a new approach to mental health care, making therapy more affordable and scalable than ever before. We're discussing the world of mental health, coaching, and those all-important social determinants of health. Stick around. You won't want to miss the rest of the story. And and I know there's the, the free version up there, and that's what I was able to download. And then obviously you have the, the, the paid version. And the differences between the two, what are, what are added in in the uh, version where the company is sponsoring it or an IDN or a health plan? Yeah, Fred, some very big differences. One is that the free version has much less content than what we provide to enterprises. Uh, so it's really not as comprehensive. Uh, enterprises get the full library. And then in addition, uh, enterprises get access to our coaches who are board certified coaches that their members and employees can uh, talk to over Zoom or on chat, whatever they like, uh, and get help additionally, in addition to these recorded sessions. Yeah, and I noticed on your site you talked about getting help, and one of them was technical help, and the other through chat, right? And the other was other. Can you get counseling help through chat? Yes, you can. Or, or and when you provide counseling help with a therapist, is that an a, a billable over and above, or how does that work? So let me characterize the kind of help that you offer. So the help that you offer is more on the coaching side and not counseling. Got it. Uh, I say I just pointed out the difference because coaching is non-clinical. And uh, they are not, uh, like coaches would typically not provide clinical advice or diagnostic, uh, whereas therapists would do that. So that's what our coaches do. They're really here for motivation, engagement. Um, they can help reduce stress. You can talk to them. Uh, even a lot of users 
try to discuss about the sessions that they listen to with our coaches to see what is their perspective and how they can contextualize in their own domain. Mm-hmm. And do you have a sense of you have a population of employees and we know that, you know, the burdens of, of people living with behavioral issues or mental health are, are fairly high, especially post-COVID, et cetera, of what the typical enrollment percentage might be or individuals who use this and then continue to use it. And then what percentage of those might go on and use the chat or some of that coaching uh, service? Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm glad you're asking these questions because uh, uh, I think this is so, so relevant and important for us. Um, so for employers, what we've seen is that when we've launched at employers, about 25% of their employees have signed up in the first eight weeks. Um, that, as you would know, Fred, is you know much higher than the industry standard. Most of our you know other solutions would be in the range of 10 to 15% uh, for the full year. And for the full year, we expect uh, a 35% enrollment ratio. So 35% employees would sign up for Mumai for the full year. The the other aspect around retention, what we've seen in some of some of the health plans is that 80% of the people who signed up actually continue to um, reach a minimum clinical dosage, which is three sessions or more. Um, and that again shows a lot of engagement, a uh, lot of unmet need out there. And what is interesting is that the members can consume the most content in the evenings. You know, which again shows that that's the time that people need the most help, and therapists are not available. Well, and that's and that's a, a fascinating point too, because I remember when we were running our employee health improvement programs, the various companies that um, there was some concern that, especially in the gamified versions, that people were doing a lot of it at work and, and taking away from their work time. So, so to hear that their access in the evening makes some sense, obviously. Right. And, and probably you don't want to, unless you've got a set of earphones in, you don't want people listening to your session as they're walking by your booth or something like that. And, you know, so an interesting, certainly an interesting issue. Do you, the other, the other question is, and, and I don't know if you've been able to, to tease this out yet, but particularly with employee health improvement programs or wellness programs, as many people have, have referred to them, um, they, they enroll the worried well, a lot of them do. Do you have a sense of the relative ratio of severity of illness within the population you're bringing in? Is it would it match a typical population? Is it more skewed toward those that do have true conditions or issues they'd like to be working on? It is skewed a little bit towards uh, people who have more symptoms, uh, and I say that because about fifteen percent of our population is in therapy, and they're using new mind in addition to therapy. Um, and if we look at the, you know, the average PhD in GAD, that also is, is higher. So I think they definitely index more towards people who have symptoms. And, um, uh, I personally do not know what is like the, uh, in, uh you know, the, the severity for a platform that is like meditation or, or, or mind space, but you know, if we, I think it would be, it might be uh, more severe than that kind of uh, mm-hmm. enrollment. And you talked also about the, let's talk about people with severe or persistent mental illness, you did mention you sort of hit some folks on that severity level, but it's really designed for those that are perhaps um, suffering from more severe mental illness. Where are you with that? So, yeah, the way we, I mean, our advice to all of our clients always is that new mind should not be the only mode of treatment uh, for severe patients. Uh, a lot of the members use, in severe category, they use new mind as adjunct therapy to, you know, 
uh, meeting a therapist or medication, and, and that's where it works really well. Uh, but this is really the primary modality for mild, moderate, and moderate severe patients. Got it. And the and when you talked about engagement enrollment, twenty five percent, you know, is sort of the the base we would see with a wellness program rolling out there. But obviously, in in a mental illness space, you're a little bit more targeted than that. So getting to twenty five percent is obviously a better number than what would be an overall wellness program going in there. What sort of things do you do to help to incent enrollment or motivate enrollment when you go in with an employer? Yeah, I think a lot of it, what we've seen is about optimizing the messaging and um, targeting the right kind of symptoms or problems that the employees are facing. So what we've seen is, you know, uh, one is doing an excellent uh, job of uh, an initial launch campaign uh, that would include, you know, the right kind of emails, collaterals, webinars, uh, you know, Slack or whatever modes that that employer is comfortable with. And whatever, wherever it drives the most engagement, but then also following it up with some triggers. And we've seen that, you know, for example, back to school right now, it's such a big trigger, right? And for both parents and children. And I think companies like ours can do a very good job of ensuring that employers, uh, you know, feel less of that burden uh, during these kinds of uh, seasonal triggers. Um, so I think those, those are all the important things that actually matter uh, for uh, engagement, which has the right kind of messaging. Mm-hmm. And do you, how do you measure your outcomes and show the employer or, or your health plan that you're actually achieving some value and developing value for them? Yeah, so I think um, the first part is always engagement, which is, you know, how, is, how many people are enrolling, how many people are sticking around, you know, uh, how long are they sticking around, et cetera, et cetera. The other part of it is showing clinical impact. So really, you know, showing PHP and GAD data specific to their employees and showing that clinical impact. And then finally, what we also do is to, to do a uh, an ROI assessment that is self-reported, um, wherein we ask the employees of that employer on things like workforce productivity, retention, burnout, et cetera, et cetera, and then report those self-reported outcomes to the employers. Got it. And when you go into an employer, obviously they'll have maybe an EAP service, they'll have mental health benefits. How do you sort of slot yourself in there? Yeah, that's a great question. I think this especially pertinent given that the space is definitely crowded. Um, The way we look at human is that we do not have many other solutions for really addressing what we are addressing, which is really uh, mild to moderate to, you know, anxiety and depression. Um, the way this is being managed right now, for example, EAPs have their own issues, which is extremely low enrollment, less than 3% that we know, you know in, in the industry. Um, similarly, other solutions who are either too specific or are just not able to get enough patients. So that's where we you know, find these gaps. And the way we position ourselves is, a, is an addition to many of these solutions that employers already have. And uh, the rollout process is very simple, seamless. We do this in two weeks, uh, flat, and um, don't really ask too much from an employer. What about, do you pick up, obviously with a PHQ two, that's like two questions, is that right? If I remember right, and then you mm-hmm. yeah. nine with nine, then you have, and we used to run those in our disease management programs. Do you then identify somebody that might need help now? Absolutely, Brad. we do that. And uh, what we do is we have an escalation mechanism for all of our 
uh, clients. Whenever we identify somebody who uh, ha- is a high-risk individual, whether for himself or herself or for others, uh, we escalate and we actually inform uh, the client that they would need help. And uh, in fact, we actually always ask them for how would you like to escalate? And so some one of our clients, for example, is a health plan and they have given us contact of two individuals who we report to uh, within two hours of uh, coming through uh, within through this incident. Uh, in some cases, we actually uh, escalate the individuals to some other programs that are for more high equity uh, patients. Mm-hmm. But we do that for all of our clients. That's great. So in, I assume a coach could be on a call and recognize this person really needs some help right now. Right. And then refer that over automatically or something like that. Exactly. Exactly. So where do you go from here? What are you doing next? Uh, that's the million dollar question, right? Uh, so uh, I think, look, I think for us, we feel that um, there is just such a huge opportunity to provide therapy at scale, uh, toward the benefits of therapy at scale. And what we're really doing is to provide this alternative, uh, which is clinically, uh, cl- which has a very strong basis of uh, clinical evidence, and then combining it with technology to address uh, these concerns at scale. Um, and so when you look at these issues of burnout, absenteeism on the employer side, and on the payer side, it's more of around how do we create more capacity? Uh, then I think what we're looking at really is to scale uh, our solution uh, and uh, being able to address these concerns for a larger and larger population. So that's really the big goal there. And our product keeps getting better as we create more and more sessions, uh, as we leverage AI um, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a deeper and deeper way. Um, there has been a lot of exciting developments over the last three, four months uh, as far as AI is concerned. And we think that that is also going to have a profound impact uh, on how mental health is being provided. And so that's another area that we would be investing in. Um, so I think all of those things uh, keep us uh, awake at night and uh, provide us the kind of uh, excitement we need. Right. So you said therapy at scale in that in that statement. Mm-hmm. Does that mean you're going to move into a more therapeutic approach and have counselors available or therapists available for individuals? Uh, for that, for now, no. I think the, our, our plan is to provide uh uh, you know, you can say those benefits through coaching and through recorded therapy sessions. Right. Yeah, I think technology is really, you know, obviously everybody's so into right now behavioral health. It's an important issue. It's gotten short shrift for decades, and now we're finally offering some services to it. And then we suddenly, as with other things in healthcare, find out, well, we don't have enough people to do this. So, uh, and that's why we have this huge wealth of these new behavioral health apps coming in or behavioral approaches, or we're going to counsel you over telehealth, et cetera, as ways to try to to, to leverage that. Um, you've talked about employers and health plans. And so an individual, could they buy the service if they wanted? Uh, Fred, as of now, no. Um, that's not, uh, we are basically right now really a B2B uh, channel focused company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, really hard to do B2C. So <laughs> I think with that, it's been just a fantastic uh, conversation, Sushant. It's great to get you on. I wish you uh, much success. Thank you so much, Fred. It's been a delight. And back to you, Greg. And that's a wrap, folks. We want to thank our listeners for tuning in. 
A huge tip of the hat to our guest of honor, Sushant Gupta, CEO of MioMind, the world's first on-demand alternative to therapy, driving innovation in mental health care, making therapy more affordable and scalable than ever before. We discussed the evolving world of digitally enabled mental health, coaching, and those all-important social determinants of health. To keep tabs on Sushant and MioMind's work, Head over to www.meomind.com and follow them on Twitter via at MioMind, respectively. And if you're digging what you're hearing on Pop Health Week, show us some love. Like, share, and subscribe to never miss out on our healthcare hot takes. Catch us live on Healthcare Now Radio, 5.30 a.m., 1.30 p.m., 9.30 p.m. Eastern, and for our West Coast peeps, that's 2.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 6.30 p.m. Pacific. From the Pop Health Week crew, Fred Goldstein and yours truly, Greg Masters, stay safe and keep thriving. Until next time, adios. 